0: Greetings, everyone. Due to an unavoidable schedule conflict, we had to skip this week with Tracy Bledsoe and the Peace Place. However, as I reflected on these programs, I've been thinking about the tragedy of the need for a peace place, the tragedy of having to have a battered women's shelter in the first place, and the unspeakable tragedy of disrupting the children and having to remove them from what should be a happy home that you would normally need for proper child development. I reside in the Atlanta area and listen every night to the local news and hear of the shootings and murders every night. So I decided to look at the numbers, so to speak, and take a probable morbid look at just how bad things really are. But much to my surprise, I saw Dateline Atlanta. Atlanta rang in the new year with lower rates of violent crime, according to preliminary police data. The data showed that violent crime was down 18 percent, homicides were down 22 percent, and rapes plummeted 49 percent. Aggravated assaults were down 16 percent. CNN said that if this trend continues, it would put the city about at the level of 2018 when it had the lowest violent crime rate since the 1960s. Well, it seems to me that either news reporting has gotten much more sensational, or there are some caveats, we shall say, about how these numbers were compiled and reported. The bigger question becomes, do these conflicts in statistical reporting contribute to the social confusion and further our inability to comprehend the existence of accurate information? And even more concerning, does the daily bombardment of sensationalized crime reports actually become an anesthesia for our attitudes towards murders, violence, and spousal abuse? Does that bother you? It should. What about the $34 trillion national debt? Just for a little perspective, with the interest rate we're paying, that national debt increases about $30,000 per second. Does that bother you? It should. What about the fact that Congress has so many backroom deals in play that no one can get anything accomplished? Does that bother you? It should. What about the coming presidential election in the United States? Apparently, neither party has the ability to field a candidate that was born after the archaic videotape machine was invented and aren't charged with breaking the law. Does that bother you? It should. These facts and many, many others point to the fact that we have a systemic problem in our society today. Whether it is spousal abuse or being asked to choose between two 80-year-old crooks We cannot, we must not turn our backs and pretend that it all will automatically get better because we know it will not. Organizations like Peace Place do need your money, but they need more because you see there is more to it. You can just be that older American that is not willing to work for a better society, that older American that just wants to write a check with the expectations that someone else will get their hands dirty and work their problems. Giving your money is important, but don't stop there. Give your time as well. Be willing to give your vocational resources. But here's another inconvenient reality. Money and work alone will not get the job done. We need a miracle We need to be able to do what we can do and depend on a miracle to fill in the gaps. And for miracles, we can only turn to God. Here are five specific areas of prayer that we should focus on. If you don't have a pen and paper, pause this program and go get one. Number one, repentance and turning to God. 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14 states, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. This verse emphasizes the importance of repentance, prayer, and seeking God's face as a means of healing. Number two, justice and righteousness. Proverbs 14, verse 34 states, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin condemns any people. Pursuing justice, righteousness, and moral integrity has been outlined by God as contributing to the well-being of a nation. Number three, compassion and caring for others. Proverbs 29.7 states, The righteous care about justice for the poor, but the wicked have no such concern. Ooh, that seems familiar. The Bible encourages a nation to care for the well-being of all of its citizens, especially the vulnerable and marginalized. Number four. Unity and reconciliation. Ephesians 4 verse 3 highlights the importance of unity, stating, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. This verse tells us that healing a nation may involve efforts towards reconciliation, unity, and understanding among its people. And number five, which I really love, prayer for the leaders. First Timothy 2, verses one and two, urges prayers for the leaders, saying, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, and intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. If you haven't quite figured it out, Prayer is the key to healing. Prayer will heal you individually. Prayer will heal our leaders. And prayer will heal our nation. Prayer is something everyone can do. If you have any trepidations about going to God in prayer, I would highly suggest that you re-listen to our earlier series, Playing Chase with God. These episodes will give you a peace and understanding about going to God, about approaching God with your prayers. Addressing our problems head-on is what our current systemic problem with society requires. Addressing our problems requires you, your money, your involvement, but most importantly, your prayers. Addressing our problems does take money, but there is more to it.